we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glasser coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe right below. You could do it. I know you can. Subscribe so you can get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with NBA Observations, the Lakers Snack Pack, Lakers History 101, do you know your Lakers trivia? And of course, our awesome post games that no one else has right here at the Lakers Fast Break, plus Magic Man of the Morning and so much more. Go ahead and subscribe today to go ahead and be part of all the fun right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Plus also as well, LakersBall.com. Go ahead and join Ox1947 in the flesh right there for you at LakersBall.com. Plus he's got a company that he's wearing right there on his shirt. Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. If you're in the Southern California area and you want your lawn transformed into something much more magical than it is today, go ahead and check out Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. Also, as well, good friends, Lakerholics.com with the number one Lakers blogger, Laker Tom and Jamie Sweet. Hang out there for a while and see those guys go at it every single day at Lakerholics.com. Magic man in the morning, every Friday morning. Go ahead and check out all the fun right there for you at the Lakers Fast Break channel. And also, of course, for inspiring talk and some really great conversation, go ahead and check out and subscribe. Like and subscribe today to the John McCallion channel. And if you could do all that, plus our good friend Stone Hansen and Upside Swings NBA Draft Podcast. I know he's busy recording a new episode, which you got to check out today wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. Kenneth Stone, Intel Wild, we truly appreciate everyone out there in the chat joining us tonight for some NBA conversations on NBA observations. First off, we're going to be talking about tonight's play-in game, some very interesting things, and wouldn't you know, the underdog is the theme of the day as the Lakers are the only favored team to move on with no troubles so far in the play-in. So we'll talk about that here in a second. And speaking of the Lakers, we are going to go heavy with our first impressions. Really, now that we've come out of the cloud, really that, you know, the, we, the fact and the remains now that the Lakers are going to Memphis to start the first round of the playoffs against the Memphis Grizzlies, we're going to get the guys to start talking about exactly what's going on with the Memphis Grizzlies and the Lakers come Sunday. And can they? play better and play well enough to go ahead and defeat the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to start talking about that on today's show. Plus our thoughts. We've actually had some voting that's been done behind the scenes. We have our thoughts on the NBA coach of the year as well. But first guys, it is the NBA playing games. It was the nine, 10 seeds for both the Western and Eastern conference playing tonight. And I'll tell you what, as magic man, Knows living in the Toronto area, they're not too happy right now with Chicago riding the wave of a 39-point outburst from Zach Levine, who maybe could have been on the Lakers, but again, that's water under the bridge. He goes ahead and spurs on the Chicago Bulls to a victory, a outstanding one, outstanding, outstanding victory tonight. Over the Toronto Raptors, 
109 to 105. They were behind most of the way and came back in the fourth quarter to overtake the Raptors at home in Toronto. So I'm going to hear Sean's thoughts on that here in a sec. And also as well, the Oklahoma City Thunder, 123 to 118 over the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll talk about Shea Gilgis Alexander and exactly who besides him got it done tonight as well. But first up, first man here, good man indeed. He is the magic man in the morning host. It is the man man from Toronto. He just got out of Toronto traffic to check out exactly why all of his city mates around him are so pissed off right now. And that's because of a loss against Chicago. It is the magic man, Sean Grice. And Sean, great to have you here, my friend. Your thoughts initially on this, as I've already opened the mics for everybody else if they want to interject. But your thoughts, my friend, a great game by Zach Levine, supporting cast as far as it was DeMar DeRozan. Didn't get a whole lot from anywhere else, but in the end, they really didn't need it. No, they didn't. They didn't, Gerald. Um, a combination of Zach Levine just going off in the in the second half for 30 of his 39 points and the Raptors shooting themselves in the foot, basically going 18 of 36 from the three-throw line. Um, that's going to live in Toronto sports for a really long time, even though it, it really is only a playing game. Um, <clears throat> if they had shot less than 67%, they would have been moving on to uh, to uh, Miami. But say uh, la vie, it's not to be. Yeah, just very strange circumstances surrounding that. Uh, OG is uh, above 80% as a free throw shooter. Fred yep. Van Fleet is, is capable of knocking down over 80% of his free throws. Uh, Pascal Siakam has had his sketchiness at the line, but he's he's a, he's a plus 70% guy. But all of them struggled tonight, Gerald. They all yep. struggled tonight. And especially in the fourth quarter, the Raptors went uh, 5 of 11 from there. Free and they're line. 50%, 50% overall, as Joe would say in regards to the Lakers free throwing, 50% free throwing, that was the game right there in a nutshell. Oh, 100%. It, it sort of illustrates their their whole season. They finished 41 and 41, and they go 18 of 36 from the free throw line. They're pretty much a 500 team, and they, they showed it tonight. And, you know, Somebody like Zach Levine, I, I had a feeling the Bulls would win this game. And again, I said, Toronto, don't hate me. But it it, it sort of reminds, Zach Levine just sort of reminds me of the kind of person who wants to be on national television as much as possible. If he plays well individually and the team doesn't win, I don't think it matters to him all that much. Because <laughs> I, I just think he wants out of Chicago at this point. But uh, I think I think it was a combination of you know Toronto willing to self destruct Gerald and Zach Levine just going off. Well, he did have himself a game today. I know that where was the wild Zach Levine rumors, and I understand he has very iffy knees and not the best contract in the world. But I have a feeling that as long as Zach Levine is upright and the tantalizing thought that this is a superstar with athleticism who can hit the outside three. There's always going to be that in somewhere in the back of our minds, as far as Lakers fans, the possibility that, oh, can we get Zach Levine? He's always going to be right there 
somewhere in the Lakers rumors, unless some, unless he moves specifically to some other big team as well. Yeah, hundred percent, Gerald. A hundred percent. It's uh, to him. All this is is about is strategic, uh, being strategically operative. Um, you know, n- now that he's situated himself in a situation where he's adva- help advance his team, he gets another opportunity in Miami. And I think, see, Gerald, I thought the Hawks and Heat would just flip flop. Maybe one of them would end up the seventh, and the other would end up the eighth. Now I'm not so sure. Uh, Zach Levine could pop off for for forty in Miami on Friday. It, it, it's it's very possible. So I I, I was skeptical of, of either chicago or uh, toronto advancing but now i i put uh, my chips on chicago and miami on friday once again it's nba observations joe soro is also here from lakersball.com it's ox 1947 and of course his great company simplates simplates with y.com the other game tonight in the nba was the Oklahoma City Thunder in a game where I I think I told Magic I was I was moving on the OKC Thunder. Uh, I thought Shea, although I thought Shea would go off for forty five to fifty, he kind of disappointed because he only got thirty two. But my gosh, Joe, thirty one from uh, Josh Giddy and twenty seven from Dort in essentially is a playoff game. These are young kids doing that, my friend. How scary is that for Oklahoma City's th- uh, future? Well, I think we, you know, we've been talking a little bit about uh, off air. We've been talking about coach, coach of the year, and I know Mike Brown's likely going to win it because uh, coach of the year seems to always be the, the, the new guy who somehow turns around the team. It's not really ever about like watching a coach masterfully coach that season. There are exceptions like uh, Phil Jackson in '96. Uh, Popovich in 2014, but um, I, I, you have to give some credit to, uh, I, I can never pronounce his name, but it's uh, Mark Dagnalot. Something like that. Yeah. Dan, <laughs> Daniel. 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 And I thought it was Dagnall. Dagnall. I think that's something <laughs> like that. Yeah. The, you, you look it. at it, you, you, you look at that team and you see how it was constructed. It was constructed due to the fact that Kawhi Leonard forced the Clippers to trade their what could be a possible top three MVP candidate. Sooner rather than later. All so that they can get bounced in the playoffs again. That is 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 looking from, from the LA Clippers side is a really, really sad commentary. Now, what looking are these at days, it, though, Joe? What are these days? We got to have a show dedicated to what are the worst trades in the NBA. I know everybody's going to point to the Nets, Celtics, <coughs> Russell Westbrook. Trade. Yeah, Russell Westbrook. You know, those are some of the worst trades in the in the NBA. But this this deal, if the Clippers don't get it done, I said before the season they were my pick to go all the way, simply because of the fact that they don't get it done this year, they'll never get it done. And if that's the case, which it doesn't look like they're going to get it done because they're facing Durant and Booker, man, and Oklahoma City's got to be running wild. Yeah, and if Oklahoma City stuns Minnesota, you're talking about a team that's got a lot of confidence, got a lot of youth, got a lot of good talent that's going to go against a team that's been reeling the last two months. So this could be a very interesting uh, playoff in more ways than one at this point. We're talking about every series could be a nail biter 
because every game in the play-ins have been great. And Adam Silver's sitting there laughing right now at, at, at anyone and everyone, including myself, for, for dogging him for the play-in. Uh, he's like, guys, this is why I did it. But it, I think it just happened that way. I don't think he ever really thought this was gonna <laughs> that every game would go as, down a, down to the wire. But uh, or maybe he did what shouldn't he made it happen. But the it, it's going to be at least from the bottom half of the of the of the playoff run for the West. There's going to be some upsets there. I don't know who. I don't know who yet. But there's going to be some upsets there. And I think the the one I only feel comfortable with at this point is probably Phoenix beating the Clippers. But even then, it's like, what if Chris Paul goes back into his shell in the playoffs? He is practically underachieved in every single late game type playoff game when it mattered his whole career. He's never been able to come through when it really, really mattered uh, towards the end. So I don't. I, it's 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 a it's a crapshoot, guys. I don't I don't really know what's going to happen here. I really don't. Other than I'm not feeling too comfortable with the Memphis series because I've I've seen enough deficiency in the the team's psyche and obviously with the issues with Darvin Ham's Darvin Ham's rotations and not being able to adjust to certain things and basically winning games because LeBron exerts his will and you have. Anthony Davis pretty much playing defense against three guys every game. Well, you're straying away a little bit far into the subject here, but I know we're going to be touching on that here in a sec, but I wanted to get some final thoughts on the playing games from a good man. Indeed, please go ahead and like share and subscribe his great channel, the John McCallion channel. It is John McCallion. John, great to have you here. My friend, your thoughts on the playing games so far, you can comment on any one of the four, including the Lakers, uh, Close shave last night, but uh, some. I will tell you though that Adam's decision to go ahead and create this play-in tournament, I was kind of very skeptical at first. I'm on the record as saying that I was really not in favor of it. But I'm going to tell you, after the four games that we've seen this year and the games we saw last year, uh, it's really turned me around. I don't think the play-in tournament's going to get me turned around, but I definitely think that what we've seen in the past couple nights have said, you know what. I think this has really worked out well for the NBA. Yeah, as far as the uh, the Lakers and um, Minnesota playing game, I'd rather not talk about it. That was one ugly ass <laughs> game. I'm just glad we got W. Um, even if they had lost, I would have been like, you know what? If you guys are gonna have ass your effort like this, then just you know, it's better that you don't make the playoffs. But we'll see what they do with the with the Grizzlies. You know, they have the talent, they have the roster now to 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 win to win the first round series if they want to. But again, you know, it really depends on. You know if they come out, you know, quote unquote, fatigued or not. Um, I was actually watching the uh, the OKC and the New Orleans playing game tonight, and then um, I don't know the the whole Brandon. Uh, I forgot who it was. Someone said that. I think it was Ken Stone. Yeah, the foul. Um, yeah, someone said. I think it was Ken. They said that uh, Brandon Ingram like uh, folded under pressure or something. But the guy made a huge three. Um, you know that takes the balls of steals and. Um, you know, I, I think, I don't know, I, I, I was looking at the, the replay, and I don't know if he got fouled when I was really close, but, you know, it was so close that the benef- the ref should have called a foul on that play. Um, I think that, you know, obviously had an effect on the outcome, but there was also a lot of other things that had an effect on, on the game, like Jason Richardson's uh, stupid boneheaded foul on um, Josh Giddy. 
you know, that, that, uh, it was two free throws in a possession. So, um, you know, one of the things that I'm really worried about is, uh, the referee, um, you know, all the calls, the thing is that they're inconsistent, right? So if they call a foul on, on one thing, they won't call a foul on the other side. And, um, this has been going on for years, and I think it's turned a lot of people away from watching the NBA. I think that's the reason why their ratings have gone down. I think that's why they came out with the plan, right? It's because they want more people watching. And, you know, it's kind of like this college-style March Madness type thing where, like, oh, you know, who's going to go, who's going to win and, and, you know, continue with the playoffs? Who's going to uh, lose and go home? So um, I think I think Adam Silver knew this was going to be the outcome. You know, it's going to – a lot of these teams are going to come down to the wire. So – um, it's working out for them, but I know players don't like it. And, uh, you know, I kind of agree with the players. I will tell you, though, that defense by New Orleans in the second half, especially in that third quarter, uh, was a big key on why they are now home with Zion, as <laughs> uh, they can say right now, because it was just really just disappointing to see for their end. But their season's over, and – Joe and I can laugh a little bit harder because not only did Lakers win last night, solidify the fact that the Lakers, you know, don't have to swap. New Orleans can swap technically, but that would be for a worse pick. So they're probably not going to do that. So now it just is even worse for them. So the new, all the New Orleans fans that, that laid some stuff on us early on in the season where we're two and two, two and 10 banking on Victor Wembyama being the guy for them in the, you know, as far as in the draft, those days are gone. They now have a tweener draft, right? I think 13th, I think they're picking and the Lakers are picking 17th. So in that range. So it looks like the Lakers do win out overall as again, uh, they are advancing on and new Orleans is going home also as well. Toronto is going home. Sorry, Sean. Everybody seems depressed there in Toronto. Just keep which, rubbing it in, Gerald. Just keep yeah, rubbing well, it in. Hey, he he's not a <laughs> he's not a Raptors fan. He tells me he's a Lakers fan. So he's just got to hang around all these people out there. Whenever he goes, he gets a cup of coffee and hears all the misery there. But mm-hmm. I do want to go ahead and say it is NBA observation. Uh, Gerald, Gerald, yes. I'd like to I'd like to add something here. Um, okay. Um, then. As much as the Dallas Mavericks have a unique problem on their hands um, with Luka Doncic, the New Orleans Pelicans have an equally, uh, um, I wouldn't say it's a a problem. It's more of a conundrum. You've built a team around a player who can't stay healthy. And it's hard to build a team around a superstar that can't stay healthy. Now, remember you said, and I now, had this conversation, though. Remember you and I had a conversation way back. Should they start thinking about trading Zion? Yeah, I think they should. I, I wouldn't do it necessarily. I, I would. Yeah, I know you would. But you know what, Joe? I don't think you can trade him now because he's at his lowest selling point right now. I, I, I think you could still sell high on him if you're New Orleans. I, I think you just got to wait it out. You, you've got you've to gotta bank on him coming back and being healthy. And I think if he comes back healthy and they still struggle, I, I, I that's when I would sell it at the high point because, you know, his, his career as a Pelican is slowly coming to an end. It is. I think in my opinion, I think that they're looking at different ways to go ahead and uh, evaluate this. Maybe the long-term answer is to trade Zion. We'll, we'll see. This is Raphael from NBA draft and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. 
Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That seems to me like something that is possible, something that could happen. Whether you're introduced to a character or a location or something that will tie it to the new movies coming. But it's still Ray from The Last Skywalker. From right. That but it could be the new Jedi for the new movies that you're talking about, for the new branch that's going to grow all out of it. Yeah, come, on, oh, come on, Joe. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, you gotta attach it all at some place or it's disjointed uh, and it doesn't on. make any sense. Come, come on. Come on. <laughs> it is gonna make a sense because you can say it's a long time ago. That scroll at the beginning of every Star Wars movie sets up everything for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. They make you read the recap instead of showing it to you. That's the difference. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But guys, it is Emmy Observations. We are going to be talking the Lakers, Lakers and Grizz starting this Sunday. As Magic Man mentioned to me, right at 12 noon Pacific time. And Joe, you started the festivities earlier in the show in regards to the Lakers. I mean, we were all in the moment very upset with the Lakers' performance. Yes, they did get by and win, and I know everybody says we're too critical, blah, 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 but we call it like we see it. That was an ugly game from the Lakers who got bailed out by a gassed-out Timberwolves team in the end, and the Lakers, who had very good shooting, by LeBron and AD weren't able to capitalize that because of some serious turnovers for most of the game from those guys. So your thoughts, my friend, can they find a better rhythm? Can they find better outside shooting in order to go ahead and beat the Memphis Grizzlies in a four game to three, four game to two, four game to one, whatever you want to say, as far as a seven game format. I said it earlier this year. I'm not going to predict what's going to happen in the Memphis series. I'm going to go by what I've been seeing all year. There are some positives uh, that we can discuss in terms of the the ability for the Lakers to come back with large deficits. They have been pretty good at doing that during the year. But I, I think if you if you looked at the overall uh, if you looked at the league overall, you probably find a lot of these teams doing the same thing because leads are just not sustaining in a 48-minute game anymore, especially if it's even in the 15 to 20 range. We had discussed before we got on air tonight that we hadn't gotten any bad uh, press about our negativity. Negativity. I was but, surprised. I was but really we surprised. actually did. We actually did. We had a comment on the last show we did from a gentleman named Richard E., Sorry, guys, that's my burner account. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know you what it is. You and Kevin Durant. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but when you talk out your butthole about stuff that's not true, you're, you're going to get less credibility in your little post. Uh, well, saying thank that, you, though, for watching, though. Saying that we have no backing or no analysis in what we're saying about Darvin Ham, Darvin Ham's coaching ability. I mean, I don't have a teleprompter to show you the positions that his players are in during a timeout play or why he has, and I'm going to go even further back during the year, so I'm just not picking on him t- yesterday, why he would have a Patrick Beverly guarding some guy that's four to five inches taller than him. There are deficiencies here that are not, 
you cannot deny if you're watching the game. And on top of that, there is a bad optic going on that I think if you have eyes and can see, you would probably be able to see it too. Now, if you refuse to look at it, just, oh, well, the Lakers won. How many times do I have to tell everyone winning a play-in the way you did is unacceptable for this team? This team is supposed to win a championship or compete for a title. If the Lakers beat Memphis handedly, I'd be the first to sit down and go, hmm, maybe we don't know anything. I'll be, I'll be the first to admit it. I'll, be, I'll still be happy to say that, by the way. Or maybe they just clicked at the right time. I don't know. But stop saying we don't know what the hell we're talking about. I'm not sitting here to create tension. I'm not doing it. I'm telling you what I'm seeing and what's going on. And if you're not blind and deaf, look and watch and you'll be able to see it. Or if you refuse to see it, I can kind of, you know, do ABCs and maybe do some sign language for you so you can see it. There's a problem. There's a problem with important positions on this team. Anthony Davis needs to stop fouling people at the damn three-point line. This is not the first time he's done it. When is he going to learn? Missing a free throw? Hey, some people can't be clutch sometimes. It is what it is. But making dumb decisions like that and turning the ball over twice on a after-timeout play when the whole time I'm saying – Get to the other side of the half court. The NBA made it very easy a few years back to allow the other player to go to the other side of the court so you can inbound the ball. Every time you did that, especially when Schroeder was going that way, Schroeder is a freaking mighty mouse. He runs very fast. Why don't you do it every time? Why are you sitting Anthony Davis for seven minutes in the first quarter and part of the second? For what reason? You're saving him for the fourth? You almost lost the game. You were down 18 when you did that. He's been doing that kind of stuff all year. His rotations suck. His decision-making sucks. His adjustments suck. And his demeanor sucks. It's it's what it is. It's not me just being harsh. So how does that play into Memphis? Well, can the Lakers play focused, mistake-free ball? That's going to be the question. If they do, then they're going to win. If they don't, you're going to see what you've been watching. And uh, by the way, guys, their record this last, you know, what was it? Uh, 24 games. They had the easiest. And seven. Yeah, they had the easiest schedule from the break all the way through. Competition matters, folks. Competition matters. It was an accomplishment. It's a new team, basically. I'll give them credit for that. But they're, the mistakes that they're making are not due to players not having chemistry or players not having – uh, enough time practicing. It's boneheaded, dumb mistakes that no veteran team should be making. That's the issue. Especially so if, they play, if they play like they did last night, you don't expect them to win the series. Well, then think about it for a second, guys. Three of their three of their really good players were out. Minnesota. If those guys played, we probably would have lost. If they had played like this, right? Or maybe they played down on them. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see if they'll play up finally for once because they've been playing down on a lot of the teams that they've been playing. And, you know, my main beef is well documented here, guys, is, is you know, quitting on certain games. And 
you quit on certain games and you you, you put yourself in this position where you didn't need to be in it. Uh, at this point, they can't quit any games. It's playoffs, so that's a good thing. Now we're going to have to wait and see if they can actually uh, continue uh, whatever it is that they're continuing with. I don't know. Uh, I will. I, I, props to not getting injured, by the way, too. That, that the Lakers have been good at not getting injured. Uh, at least the main guys. Said no. Eh, I don't. I don't believe in that. Okay, fair enough, indeed. But it is uh, NBA observations. I want to ask you this, John. When it comes to what you're seeing with what the Lakers can bring out there, with the Lakers, you have, uh, you know, a team that is mediocre on the three-point area, great in transition. But the problem is Memphis has one of the best transition defenses in the NBA. They don't guard well on the three, but the Lakers have got to take advantage of that. And until now, you've got to go sure that you have those three-point shooters in place, which the Lakers up until this point have not had consistently over the course of the season. Even adding in Beasley and Russell, you've not had the consistently as of yet. And then you got the fact that you've got, unless you put it, put them into foul trouble, you've got probably the NBA defensive player of the year manning the middle. This is very formidable. This is not a team you need to sleep on. Kenneth is very optimistic. And Kenneth Stone has been saying that he's got the Lakers running wild on the, on the Grizzlies. And it's going to be, uh, you know, in six games, shouldn't be that much of an issue. But I see it as a bigger issue because if they play like they've been playing the past week, John, there's going to be some trouble for the Lakers in this series. Yeah, one of the things that was like really puzzling to me in the last game was um, Austin Reese was kind of like looked like the moment was too big for him, which you know I was kind of shocked because he's been in some pretty big moments this season. So you know, players like D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Malik Beasley, um, I mean, hell, even Troy Brown Jr. They all need to you know. Um, knock down some threes because, like you said, they're not. You know, Memphis doesn't really have a good perimeter defense. Yeah, and they then, do. Uh, they want you. He he goes the the old Budenholzer route as far as giving up a lot of threes. Budenholzer doesn't do it anymore, but this Memphis does give up a lot of threes. Well, that's fine for us. You know, luckily after the um, the trade deadline, we know we we got some shooting because you know before it was just Russell Westbrook and he can't shoot. So you know we have some shooters now. You know, Austin Reese can create some shots for us. LeBron driving to the basket, create, you know, um, opportunities for us on the perimeter. So, uh, you know, I think we, we have to make count, you know, last game on, you know, Tuesday against Minnesota, we weren't able to buy a bucket, but I think that's an outlier. I think we'll shoot a lot better uh, starting Sunday. Okay. Fair enough. Indeed. I, I like that positivity, Sean, you're starting to see and break down exactly what's going on with this series where you have Memphis again, Young athletic team. I haven't even mentioned John Morant, who is liable to go off for 40 anytime he wants and has on the Lakers before. Your thoughts on this, my friend, because, again, all these things that the Lakers uh, may have trouble with, you know, as far as in a matchup, the Lakers don't shoot well from the outside. The Lakers have a team that is very good in transition defense. They're young. They're athletic. They have size. And they have John Morant, a speedy, uh, you know, guy that loves to go ahead in the paint and dominate if you don't have AD there. So all the, the signs are pointing to a very competitive matchup and a very tough one for the Lakers at that. Yes, it, it, it does. Um, I, I will say this, though. I, I think it's, it, it's really important to understand that um, there, there's two days in between 
both games. So game one is Sunday. Game two is Wednesday. Game three is Saturday. Um, that's really important. Uh, if the Lakers can head into Saturday being being tied 1-1, um, you've well, basically... That's the, old, that's the old adage. If the road team can split in those first two games, that's the advantage for that road team. Yeah, I like. I'm just going to be honest. I don't expect us to win game one. I think uh, for for you know uh, a top seed in the West, uh, especially a a young team like this, um, they really would love to pop off for game one and, and just try and send a message. So I'm I'm half expecting a waxing Gerald, but I, I do think that the Lakers are more than capable of stealing game one, and I, I'm looking for a split. If they can split it. And you're in LA for Game Three on Saturday. I'm really feeling good about our chances because if you go up two one on them, you create a little. You plant to see the doubt. You can plant to see the doubt in those cocky bricks. Well, the thing I ask you now that then Joe just laughing. Uh, it's funny because our chat. You guys are hilarious. Funny. Yes, they are. Absolutely. Well, I, 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 Tom, a Someone named Tom, Tomas Gentile telling someone to shut the f up. That's funny. The Giambi joke is like it's like old now. It's just like the the when you do it for the post for the, like the seventh yeah, but, eighth time. It's but, just like, but it, it birthed yeah, a funny response. So I, yes, I, I I don't know if it's that. People bad. just got tired of it. But I don't it know who more, he is. I had to look him up. Oh man, that's but, funny. Uh, but it is the NBA observations here at the Lakers fast break. Is I it? ask you, uh, <laughs> and he had so much more, and so much more, John. Uh, Joe, I do want to ask you though. Again, I mean, a split. If they do get a split out of this, heading back to LA next weekend, that could be, you know, in the mindset of a young team, something that really is uh, tough to overcome. Yeah, this. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes seven, honestly. Uh, I was thinking six. Six, but there's a there's also that seven number, too. I, I, I just – a few things can happen. Number one, the AD could go eight, you know what, and LeBron could go, you know, LeBron a little bit and win games that they probably shouldn't have won. It's it, – it, it's a – the Grizzlies are still kind of – and especially with Adams being out and Brooks being out um, – was it Brooks? No, no, it's sorry, uh, uh, actually Clark. Brandon. Brandon Clark, Clark. Sorry, Brandon, Brandon Clark. Clark. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that. Those Sean are two, got me on that one. Yeah, those are two significant misses there. Achilles. Yeah, if those guys were playing, it'd be really tough, uh, just because of depth purposes and their 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 ability to do uh, to play their roles really, really well for a team driven by John Morant and, and, and everyone else. Foul trouble again will be the key on this one because if the Lakers' big man or the Grizzlies' big man gets into foul trouble, that could be a key to who wins this game. Yeah, I, I haven't really noticed too many issues with the Lakers getting into foul trouble, especially AD and LeBron. This this last game was the first time I heard LeBron had – didn't he, he had five fouls, right? He had five, yes. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember four. the last time – yeah, I can't remember the last time uh, LeBron had – Five fouls. I, I didn't. So maybe they got you know everything why? because he's playing more defense. He's trying he's, harder. He, on that he is. He is. He and also I think, played forty-five minutes. Yes, and, and and this is something we have to we have to address. LeBron James 
needed to give be given a little bit of credit for last night's game. He he was he was playing balls out from front to back. I, and, I, and I think as I had a chance to kind of watch the game again uh, earlier today, just in spurts, I think those passes he was making was just massive fatigue. I was going to say that. And because yeah. I couldn't figure it out, like you're a veteran player and all that. And then it, it didn't dawn on me at the time. I was too emotional into the game and invested into the game. But then I realized, my God, he was probably he, it's one of those things where I remember my dad, God rest his soul, he used to say when he was a my dad was a really good soccer player uh, for, for years. And he said, there were, you know, when you can't play, when you're tripping over yourself and no one's around, like you literally trip, like what the. What happened? Like, who hit me, right? So I think what happened was LeBron, looking at it the second and third time, LeBron looked like he he knew where he wanted the ball to go, but it it just... Well, the thing is, we've always talked about how, you know, the past couple of days about Timberwolves being gassed. That fourth quarter, they're just exhausted, you know, Towns. Uh, Edwards was playing hard on the defensive end. He just wasn't doing anything on offensive end. But <laughs> as the uh, chat keeps continuing going along, I will say though that you're right. We didn't we didn't exactly uh, you know extrapolate on the Lakers end with LeBron and AD. I think that when they you know off that timeout when they both bent over and they were talking to each other about how tired they were. You're right. LeBron really, really looked gas at that point in time. And also Minnesota was playing its best defense I've ever seen. I saw Cat playing defense better than I've ever seen him play. They were packing and the paint in that first half. They really were. And they were they were lights out on defense. But the problem with that was as soon as the end of the fourth quarter hit and overtime, those guys looked like the Celtics in game seven in 2010. They just couldn't score. They couldn't move. So it, it was it, looking at it from a non-Laker fan perspective and just an NBA fan. Uh, I know uh, John said he didn't care for the game too much, too sloppy. And you are right on that because it was a lot of turnovers. But if you take that part away a little bit, I thought it was a very entertaining game. And everybody was trying to play to win hard the whole thing uh, so with that you, you gotta you gotta give both teams credit for for playing balls out and going until until you were basically out of gas i mean that's pretty much what happened towards the end and so that leads me to a question john coming right back to you for the game on sunday and the series going forward against memphis we i know adam and everybody else has in the chat has had great concerns over the backup center position Spelling, uh, you know, the forward position that just just the front court depth in general outside of Rui Hashimura, who did a, a tremendous job yesterday, and hopefully that will continue going forward. But the thing I want to ask you is, John, you know, the this vaunted depth we got for the trade deadline, the one glaring omission from that is finding just something, you know, substantial outside of Rui Hashimura when it comes up to a, a, a backup four or five spelling LeBron and AD consistent minutes. So your thoughts on that, my friend, because it really, really is going to be something that the Lakers are going to need to do, especially facing off against a young team that wants to go ahead and run just like the Lakers. I heard, uh, I heard today, I think it was on the hoops uh, collective talking about how LeBron doesn't like to run. That's a bunch of baloney. 
LeBron loves to run more than anybody in the league. That's how he gets a lot of his points is on transition. He can chuck up threes all day, but he knows how effective he is there. But it isn't until he gets his drives going that he really plays to the max. So your thoughts, this team also wants to drive and run and, and shoot threes as well. But my gosh, man, you know, the Lakers are going to have to need some help from the back of four and five and not just from Rui Hashimura. Yeah, the good thing um, about this series is that uh, Memphis is missing, you know, Stephen Adams, so they don't really have a lot of big men. So we're, they're going to play small. We're, we're, I don't know. I don't know what Darvin Ham wants to do, but, uh, you know, I mean, outside of Wayne Gabriel, there is no backup. I mean, uh, Mo Bamba, he, the thing is that he looks unplayable right now, but that's because, you know, he got injured and he hasn't had a lot of reps with, with this uh, roster. Um but I mean, and Tristan Thompson. I mean, he hasn't played all season, so I don't even know what he looks like. He hasn't played Probably not since good. Twenty-one, twenty-two. Yeah, he hasn't played in a while. So, um, so yeah, I would I, I would say our depth at the center position isn't going to matter too much w- in this series um, because you know Memphis is going to want to run. We're, we're going to have to play a lot of small ball. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Okay, fair enough. I'm a little bit more concerned, but Gabriel won't have to uh, play or body up against a Carl Anthony Towns shot. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, so I'm, I'm okay with that. He, he can give him a little bit more minutes, but Mo Bamba, I'm not sure because he's a little bit slower. He, he's going to have to hit from the outside. He's going to have to do something that we hoped he would do when we traded for him. He's probably going to have to provide a little bit more rim protection and he's going to have to be able to hit the three in order to play, but it's going to be in a limited amount of minutes because if, if AD is not playing at least 35 minutes, something has gone terribly wrong for the Lakers. Yeah, Gerald, something has gone terribly wrong for the Lakers if if AD isn't playing uh, extensive minutes, even into the 40s. Um, look, they, they need to – one of the keys needs to be trying to get in, uh, Triple J off the floor as much as possible. Outside of him, they don't really have uh, uh, an intimidating rim deterrent outside of a protector. Um, Tillman, Aldama, uh, David Rowdy, um, that they might even go to um, to Dylan Brooks at a power forward position um, in a pinch. So there's not a lot of depth there, Gerald, if, uh, if you get Triple J in foul trouble and off the floor. And I think the Lakers can take advantage of that. And you're right, AD, it needs to be the one to put the, the emphasis on the rest of the guys to attack attack the paint. I think, um, like you said, Rui's not really going to have a hard of a time as he has in the past um, with a guy like Cat because Memphis really doesn't have anybody outside of Triple J with a physical profile, I think, that could intimidate Rui. He's, he's a very physical player. Uh, Roddy and Adama are, are big, but I but Rui can can handle his own. We know that. So I really don't see a big um, intimidation factor with Memphis uh, at the rim, even with Triple J. One of the things I want to ask you guys before we head on out, and that is for the X factor. For me, I think uh, the X factor could be Desmond Bain. Uh, and also the outside shooting for Memphis, John, uh, Joe, I, I will say reason why is because since they got him from the Clippers, Luke Kennard is shot over 50% from three. And also you have Desmond Bain, who's also in the top 10 in shooting. 
from behind the arc as well. Your thoughts on this, my friend, because, you know, the Lakers, I'm not asking them to match three for three. They obviously got to find other ways to win because if the Lakers are shooting 40% from three, that's a, it's not a miracle per se, but it's a really, really good day for the Lakers. But with, with Memphis, they've got two guys who regularly hit over 40% from three. And that to me is very concerning. It is concerning, especially with Dar- Darvin Ham's rotations and decision on who to play and how to play certain players. So if I had a chance to coach this series, I would probably be using Vanderbilt uh, extensively on John Morant. Let John Morant do his thing, but you got good length. You got good lateral movement with Vanderbilt. You got good athleticism. Yes, he can't shoot. Yes, his offense is uh, below mediocre, but you're not thinking about that particular set uh, about you're not thinking about offense at that at that point. You're they can about, easily hide him if Vanderbilt's in the game. They can hide Kennard on Vanderbilt. Well, it, the key is to make sure that you don't help too much. That's that's going to be very key because if you're going to have Brooks and and Kennard getting wide open shots uh, all game long, I, I don't think they're going to go the route Minnesota went where they were hot at the beginning and then cold. Those guys don't get cold. And then you got John Morant doing his acrobatic stuff. And the, the, the thing that you're going to have to really pay attention to is the, the momentum swings and, obvi- and obviously the, the highlight type plays. Highlight top plays can catapult momentum to a team, especially when they're at home at a different level. And John Morant is one of the few guys in the league that really can shake things up that way. The uh, part of the game that we haven't discussed, uh, and, and it's obviously been a problem this year, is I'm hoping that the officiating isn't as bad as it was the last you know four or five months. We have to factor that in, and we have to get mentally ready that we're not going to get calls and get calls at the worst time. So there's a lot of disadvantages here, but uh, we still have Anthony Davis. We still have LeBron James. And despite D'Angelo Russell having a terrible game, I think he's he's, he's got some value. And, I, and, and Schroeder covered him on this one. And to me, I'm looking at it as you guys can cover each other. I don't care who goes off each game as long as one of you do. That's kind of how I'm looking at that. Conversely, John, an X factor for the Lakers, when we talk about threes, you talk about Kennard and Bain on one side. Dylan Brooks, if he becomes a volume shooter, I think the Lakers win in that scenario because he's not exactly the most efficient. So, And he loves to shoot, but he does play hard defense. And he'll probably try to piss everyone on the Lakers off in the meantime. And I'm sure by the end of the week, Next week, Joe will probably have a separate rant just on Dylan Brooks alone. But when it comes to an X-Factor for the Lakers, I think Malik Beasley has to become an X-Factor just to be just for the fact that he can get hot from the outside. He has to have a good series, I think, from the Lakers standpoint. Or somehow D'Angelo Russell, somebody from outside, has to hit consistently for the Lakers to get, uh, you know, a, I guess a, a series for a you know, four, two, four, three, any type of wins, you know, the Lakers are going to have to hit from the outside, have someone really be hot from the outside. And I'm, I'm thinking it has to be Malik Beasley. Yeah. Malik Beasley was, uh, you know, one of the players that came to mind when I was thinking about X factor, but the problem is that he's a shooter and shooters are naturally streaky. So, you know, he'll have one good game and one bad game. So the person I was actually thinking about as an X factor is, uh, 
Rui Hachimura. I know he's, you know, he's playing really well on defense, um, but, you know, whenever he scores, it can really add, you know, to, to the to the team. Because the thing is that I'm already expecting um, a Davis, uh, a Davis-LeBron and Russell to contribute on a, on a nightly basis. And in Shooter, you know, he'll have, you know, a couple good games and a couple bad games. But I think if Rui, he plays, or on top of the defense, if he, if he scores about 10, 15, points a game, which which he can, and he has in the past, I think uh, that'll be a really good X Factor for us. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers, well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it's NBA Observations. It is John McCallion from the John McCallion Channel, Joe Soro from LakersBall.com and Simblades.com, and of course, the Magic Man himself, the host of Magic Man in the Morning, Magic Man Sean Grice. And Sean, now is to the awards part of our show, my friend, as we get ready to go ahead and wind down this episode. Wanted to ask you real quick in regards to some things that we said behind the scenes and asked as far as our balance or concern for the NBA season awards magic man. I think coach of the year is up next. So coach of the year thoughts and exactly who from our staff won this year's NBA coach of the year. Absolutely. Gerald. There was uh, only one uh, right in vote for uh, a, an outside candidate. Uh, but the consensus was Mike Brown wins. Coach of the uh, year. I think Nick also picked uh, uh, Missoula. Joe, yeah, yeah. Nick did pick uh, Joe Missoula from uh, and, the Celtics. And Jamie Sweet. And picked, Jamie uh, Sweet yeah. wrote in uh, Frank Vogel, who's uh, not even coaching in the NBA right right now. But uh, he's making he's been four playing mi- golf and getting paid. Yeah, he's making four million <laughs> bucks. So, you know, we're, we'll give Jamie a little bit of credit there, making four million bucks for not even having to come into work. Uh, might win you an award somewhere. Good pay when you get, when you can get it, my friend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? Uh, Boston tailed off uh, towards uh, the 50-game mark, Gerald. I think if they had kept that towards streak up, I mean, Joe Mazzula would have been a runaway candidate, but Mike Brown's been consistent all year with the Kings, so he's... And the fact uh, is he brought them to the promised land after 16 years. That's such a heartwarming story. Light the beam and all that stuff. So, yeah, yeah that's great. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, we also... We also handed out a Rookie of the Year award. and Well, uh, gonna, well a Rookie of the Year, that'll come later on. That'll come later. We'll, we'll drop that on another show, my <laughs> friend. Yes, yes. Save save that for each show. One each show. We'll go ahead and do that. So maybe you do a snack pack tomorrow or something. We'll go. We'll fill the time somehow for tomorrow. How about that? Okay. Sounds good. Uh, I'll Sounds take good. care of that. You got it, my friend. NBA Coach of the Year is going to be from Mike Brown. Joe, any thoughts on Coach of the Year? As far as me, who who my pick is, 
Yeah, because you never you're you're we throw all these ballots your way, and you just usually get. Yeah, it's 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 just insignificant awards to me. I, I don't. Uh, I'm just don't trying really... to spice up conversation between. Us sure, sure. No, I I think coach of the year in the NBA might might be worse than the MVP uh, choices over the last thirty years. I always I always would laugh at people saying, "Well, we're bored voting for uh, Michael Jordan, so we're going to give the MVP to Karl Malone." What do you mean you're bored? Like, who's the best player in the league? That's the MVP. Coach of the year. What is coach of the year? What does that mean? What's the meaning of coach of the year? Is it coaching really well that year? Or is it just you turned around the team? I don't know. I don't know what the hell. It sounds like you just turned around the team. That's it. So did you uh, have any thoughts in mind on that? I mean, you're talking about Mike Brown. This is this is what looks like is going to be a second uh, coach of the year uh, award. Uh, looking at the get one for the Lakers. I was, I was. Uh, what was that? I said he certainly didn't get one for the Lakers. No, no, I, I don't think. Uh, I think. Well, look, here's here's the deal. I, I know I'm going back a little bit here, but Mike Brown, Quinn Snyder, and 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 his assistants were not actually that bad in 2012. They they hit the skids in that preseason in 2013, and that was that was it. But I I thought he did a not I didn't think he did a bad job in 2012. Matter of fact, I think their loss to to uh, Oklahoma City that year was solely on Paul Gasol and Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant had two bad series uh, in my recollection. In well. You could call it Utah when he was a rookie. But didn't they have two. a young Durant? Yeah, but well, see, see that that series was really Jeff about Green, that series was that series was was really more about us not having a bench and James Harden just killing us. Like our our starters did okay against their starting five. It was Harden that was the difference in that series. And Who's plus, Kobe, the, Kobe, and Paul Gasol. The guard, maybe? Made, no, Paul Gasol. Well, you could say that, I guess. But Paul Gasol, and Kobe Bryant did not finish games in those in those losses in that series very well. I gave the Lakers the benefit of the doubt in 2011. Kobe, I think his knee was bone to bone at that point in the Dallas series, and Paul Gasol had some outside the court issues with certain players on the team. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, that just zapped all of the. Uh, chemistry off uh, out of that team and you know again three straight finals appearances in the west uh trying to go after that three-peat they were pretty much dead mentally uh going into that dallas series especially after the first two losses so with that um mike brown's gonna win coach of the year uh i'd say he deserves it uh i'm not saying he doesn't but i i would i would look at uh, our boy mark at, at oklahoma city if i had a vote I thought his coaching this year with a young team, with just just tonight, you know, coaching tonight, putting together something on the road the way he did, I thought I thought was very very admirable. I before we get to Adam's last comments, if you, if you guys could go ahead and take a look in the chat because I'm going to touch on that last about LeBron. Uh, John, you mentioned in the chat that you thought Michael, don't call me Mike Malone, even though I used to be called Mike Malone. Don't call me Mike Malone anymore. Just call me Michael Malone now. And uh, in Denver, uh, he is your choice for Coach Year. And 
you know, Joe and I were very high on Denver before the year started. They obviously, things fell into place for them in so many ways. Kind of tailed off on the end there, but they're especially on the defensive end. But, you know, they finished number one in the Western Conference. And uh, obviously, that's a great record for Michael Malone. I mean, and especially Denver team that has really not achieved this level of success on that many occasions. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously the clear pick is Mike Brown, but I also wanted to give some credit to Mike, Michael Malone, whatever the hell he wants to be called nowadays. But um, I think I think he did really well. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's getting enough credit for it. Um, you know, Denver is uh, playing like a well old machine this year. Um, you know, obviously they have limitations because Jokic, he's not, he's not very mobile. He's not athletic. Um, so he's not, you know, super, super great on defense, but collectively, collectively as a team, I think they play decent defense, but, you know, obviously, uh, their bread and butters, their offense. Um, I think, um, the thing is that, you know, it's hard to, you know, give them all the props because the West is, you know, it's not very strong this year as it has been in the past, but, you know, still being number one in the, in the conference is, uh, you know, it's still, you know, a big deal. So props to him. Donnie, I want to make sure we do a, a major playoff preview, but we might wait until Friday night when all the games and all the seeds have been solidified uh, so that we give uh, each and every team, including the, the teams facing off against the number one seeds, uh, the, the proper due. So we will do a massive Friday NBA playoff push uh, after the games are concluded on Friday night. Tomorrow, I think we still want to focus on the Lakers and the Grizzlies, uh, plus maybe also attend to what we were talking about with the rookie of the year. But, uh, Sean, before we head on out, my friend, I'm going to hit this up with all three of you guys, and that's Adam's comments on LeBron because everybody's looking on the downside of the T-Wolves game. Uh, you know, he's, a, he's an optimist. From what I've read in Adam's posts over the, over the you know, months, and we truly appreciate him being part of our chat each and every time, but he's an optimist. He comes from the school of Laker Tom. Uh, Sean, when it comes to what we're seeing, didn't – Talk too much about LeBron. I did very efficient game, twelve of twenty-one, three of six, three of three from three, three and three from the free throw line. You know he had thirty points and ten rebounds. But the thing that you know I think people were focusing on, like we did, was the fatigue. As as Joe has said in you know said on today's show, you know the fatigue, the passing, the decision making in that fourth quarter, outside of that one pass to. Dennis Schroeder, which obviously was a great pass. And then, of course, the three-point shot that he made. But even he started to feel effects of such a high-pressure game. And you saw the mistakes there from it. And for those, those 10 turnovers combined, I think, is what people are focusing on more than LeBron's performance and AD's performance. But then again, if they are combined for 10 turnovers a game, how many games do you think we can pull out in a series? Maybe one. You may, maybe you get a gentleman's sweep. No matter out, how well LeBron and AD shoot. Yeah, if, if you're turning the ball over that much at, at that high clip against the, uh, a team like the Grizzlies, it's it's not it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a quick one. Um, for me personally, look, we we all we have all commended LeBron basically is in the last five years basically for his. His age, his uh, ability to adapt and evolve. Uh, yesterday, he got thirty points uh, with without the flow of an offense. There was no flow to his thirty points. 
there, there was there was a correlation to the turnovers though as you've said Gerald and John and Joe and there's there's a fatigue factor involved with that situation so he's been in the league for 20 years like no one doubts the fact that if if he really put his mind to it he can get 30 points whenever he wants it just it was not in the flow of the offense of any offense that we were they running. had no flow of an offense because they had no flow and and we had we just bare like you said Gerald by the skin of our chin 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 we managed to to pull it out and John John added the the like the lackluster effort combined combined with the fact that you had to have LeBron score thirty points uh, outside of the flow of anything because Darvin Ham doesn't run a damn thing. Well, it's again, it's just very concerning when you see things like that. And John, I'll head it back to you before I close out with Joe. And that is when you see the comment, like what we saw from Adam, a very positive as far as for LeBron is concerned. And yes, 30 points, 10 rebounds, normally on the surface, a fantastic game game from LeBron. But remember, even with the, with the way they closed out with six minutes without almost scoring a point for Minnesota, John, LeBron was still minus 17 for the game. So whoever was on the floor with him was not producing for whatever means, whether you want to put it on LeBron or the other people that were playing with him. But then also the fact that those turnovers due to fatigue, poor decision-making, whatever you want to say on it, these things cannot happen continuously in a playoff format because you're not always going to get away with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's a good habit to find a silver lining of things, but honestly, would Adam have been asking that question to himself and to us if the Lakers lost the game? Because honestly, they got really lucky and they won because, you know, they were playing like crap. They were turning the ball a lot. Um, you know, and uh, LeBron has some very costly turnovers at the end, like, you know, some of the passes that he tried to make and then he wasn't attacking Carl Anthony Towns as he should have or as, as often as he should have. So, again, we're not we're not sitting here criticizing LeBron and his talent. We're criticizing how he – how he played in that game. And, uh, you know, he's going to be a big part as well as, you know, Anthony Davis in the series against uh, Memphis and, you know, the rest of the playoffs. So, um, you know, whether or not he scores 30 points is never something that crossed my mind, but, you know, hopefully he, he and everyone else can overcome fatigue and, you know, put some uh, good W's together. Joe, I'll leave the last question for you. I mean, you've heard what Adam Hurley said in regards to LeBron. Again, I don't want to underestimate LeBron's great performance, but, Let's say again that Triple J, with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter, gets his fifth foul. Will we again bypass that as far as not attack it strong enough? I know John and I were went back and forth last night a little bit as far as to the extent of how much LeBron and AD attacked Cat in the, you know once he came back into the game with about seven minutes left, you know trying to get that fifth that sixth foul on him. If the same thing happens for Triple J, do you think the Lakers will make the same, I don't say mistake, but do you think the Lakers will go about it in a different fashion and try I, to attack Triple J? I honestly don't think Darvin Ham has an offense. I don't think he runs in any particular offense. Because if he did, he would be able to tweak the offense to shading certain players or creating a play for a player to attack a player that might have five fouls five fouls we've had this talk for a while where we're not attacking those who are vulnerable and when you're attacking someone who's vulnerable that's your advantage your advantage is to be aggressive with that player so that they are either forced to get to, to foul you 
uh, indirectly or directly, or they're going to not go. They're not going to be aggressive, which is going to make it easier for you to score. I don't. I just that's been that's the rub, guys. That's the rub. The simple things. An offense. You'd think that there'd be some kind of consistency in some kind of an offense where you're running pick and roll with Schroeder and and AD or LeBron and AD, but it just doesn't seem like there's enough spacing. There's enough, which is which is mind-boggling to me because we do have some guys that can shoot, but we can't get spacing and we can't get any kind of consistent bounce passing in traffic or not traffic or some, you know, I haven't, have you guys seen any lobs? I mean, I've seen maybe a couple the last month. It seems like we don't do any more lobs. I thought we were doing a lot of that with AD during the first like three fourths of the season. So our Uh, our Joe D'Lo D'Lo has said he would love to, he would love to get uh, in a rhythm with AD on, on that, particular More pick and roll action maybe yeah but they haven't had much time to practice I'm, 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 i i i am i i yeah i don't, I don't his, know what his, the hell is words, going on his words. His yeah words. i don't know what's going on in the nba where they don't practice when the hell did this start happening like what really why aren't they practicing anybody know are they worried about everybody getting hurt is this the NFL now where they cap practices? Uh, how are you going to run a team if you don't practice? Are you guys playing football on the court? Like, what are you worried about? It's basketball. There's, there's, there's no offense being run. I don't see it. I've, been, I've watched 82 games this year out of a possible 83 so far. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the offense. So what, 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 what's the answer here? How are they going to adjust to someone in foul trouble when they have it? How are they going to adjust to a simple inbound play after a timeout? I remember one play. I know there have been more than one out of a timeout where they've scored, but I don't. I remember one distinctively where it looked like they knew what they were doing. One in 83 freaking games. If you can't run a simple timeout play or after the timeout play, how are you going to run a, a, a consistent offense or a consistent or any consistency in a play other than just hoping that AD and LeBron can make their shots, which is really what this has been, guys. Uh, AD and LeBron are ridiculously great players. They'll bail people out of fundamentals. They'll bail them out of good play by you know, average players, because they're great players. That's how they've gotten by. And that's been the doubt. That's the doubt here. The the, the, the longer this goes. Again, guys, the, the play-in is not a playoff game. The playoff game starts this week, this next week. This is real the real playoffs. And we're going to find out if somehow Darvin Ham has an epiphany and knows how to coach an offense that can actually run a play. We're gonna, we're gonna I'm going to wait for that. We'll see what happens indeed, but I cannot thank John McCallion from the John McCallion YouTube channel, Joe Soro from Sinblades.com and LakersBall.com, and the Magic Man in the Morning host, Sean Grice, for being on today. Truly appreciate it. And also, the greatest chat room that's out there for Los Angeles Lakers is right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Adam, Johnny, of course, that's a write-off with all of his, his, his fun uh, comments on, on a Giambi brother or two. 
Of course, we've got Miguel as well. Truly great. Truly appreciate it. Zangerstein was in the chat earlier. Thanks so much for doing that. Reggae Joe, congratulations on your Oklahoma City Thunder advancing on to meet on Friday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Harold, truly appreciate it. He thinks D'Lo is the key, that you could be right. D'Lo could be the key. He needs to step up as a third man. They need to have some consistent outside shooting in the series or else it's going to be a short series, and I'll leave it at that. Zangerstein, Reggae Joe, Tycoon, Kenneth Stone, all been great. Thomas, great, absolutely great to have you here as well. Truly appreciate it. Thanks so much, everybody, for watching and listening. Always give us a shout-out whenever you can, Lakers Fast Break. Make sure you subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air. We're planning shows tomorrow. Intel Wild, also got to give you a thumbs up as well, being a great supporter of us now. Truly appreciate it. Heard the legend already about Intel Wild. And I know you're not exactly that positive on the Lakers right now, but I will never doubt your Lakers fandom. And I don't think anybody else should either. I just know you're concerned like we are as far as the Lakers heading into a big matchup against the Grizz, so I cannot blame you a bit. Daniel, got to give you a shout-out as well. And everybody that was part of our Lakers chat, truly appreciate it. Got another show lined up for you tomorrow where we'll talk. Rookie of the Year, Sean wanted to let it out. But we're, I told him, wait, 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 wait. We'll also have our thoughts on predictions for the Lakers versus Grizzly series. I'm going to grill all the guys on the email chat. I'm going to ask them if they could go ahead and send me their thoughts on how many games Lakers or Grizz for the first round of that series. So we'll go ahead and, and uh, share our thoughts on the Thursday show. Friday show, we line up for you the NBA playoffs in full after the playing games are done. And then this weekend, we've got full playoff coverage for you as well, including the Lakers, part of playback.tv, so Lakers fast break. And of course, the best Lakers post games that are around. They're right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.